You're listening to The Authenticity Show, where you get to eavesdrop on great conversations about health, creativity, and the quest for excellence. Your hosts are Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Our guest today is Daniel Gutierrez. Daniel Gutierrez is a mindful leadership expert, a world-renowned transformational thought leader, and a best-selling author on mindfulness and finding success. He came over to my house and had a great conversation with Carlos and Satch about his early days as a youth minister, his life as a successful business person and business leader, and then getting into his sacred journeys to Peru and the Amazon. This conversation is infused with a deep wisdom and also a great sense of humor. So stick around. Daniel Gutierrez, welcome to The Authenticity Show. It's nice to have you here. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And good right. evening, Buddy Satch. Yeah, Buddy Carlos. Here we are again. And you know the first thing I noticed about our guest this evening? What's that? As soon as we looked at each other, I saw a twinkle in his eye. So I know oh, this I is going to be a very interesting, interesting conversation. Indeed, he does have a twinkle in his eye. Yeah, mm. he does. And you don't see that twinkle very often. <laughs> yeah, but I've, coffee. I've, 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 I've learned to notice it. So, oh, coffee, hey. Yeah, coffee with two shots. Black eye coffee, that's right. Two shots. Right, with ghee in it. And no, this had two shots of espresso. It was dark roast with two shots of espresso and two tablespoons of coconut oil. Oh, boy. Mm. That sounds delicious. It bulletproof. Yeah. Sounds like a bulletproof decision. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but well, you know, uh, just, just looking at your bio, um, uh, you, you meet Carlos at this conscious luncheon <laughs> and you take people down to Peru and all this, but that's kind of not how it started off for you, is no. it? You, you were more of like a New York sort of businessy kind of a person. Is that, is that true? Very much so. Very corporate, very driven uh, to success. Uh, you know, I, I'm writing a new book and in the first chapter I talk about being in New York City uh, on um, Fifth Avenue, sitting in a posh restaurant on the 38th floor i'm sitting in a beautiful lounge chair and al sharpton's on this side and a football players on this side very exclusive club and and um, the big windows and it's snowing these big like toilet paper flakes i mean it's just sexy yeah. and you know and i'm sitting there and 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 i just get this thought like is this it if this is it then i'm in the wrong place because i'm not happy it feels kind of good, you know, and, and yet all that stuff, I mean, and, and, and I was driven, driven, I'm driven for success. And so, I mean, I would fly from LA to New York and I would land at seven in the morning and I would have meetings every hour on the hour until about 11 PM, 12 AM. And then, because New York, they do that, <laughs> they have meetings all the time. So I, I would, you know, go on to 12 and i figured why well, get a hotel and i would go sleep on a bench in the, in the airport and fly home and fly back to la within a 24-hour period which is hard mm. right and but that's a, that's how driven i was you know so i talk a little bit about in that first chapter uh that i woke up from a lie that they told me if i was successful and i had all these things and i was well known and 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 all that that i'd be happy and it, it wasn't true i woke up and i realized i wasn't happy so I really did an about face, you know, but I, I, I mean, my life has been amazing. It, it really has. And again, I get to do amazing stuff and it's just a continuation of my journey and maybe that'll change again. Who knows? I've quit my career 
uh, three times in my life and just did it oh. about face. I even got interviewed by uh, a radio station, a uh, um, newspaper in Arizona, and he goes, how do you just, like, stop? People don't normally do that. They don't, you know, have a career and in their 30s, late 30s, decide I'm going to do something different. But you didn't just do that once, you did it twice. I said, yeah, because I'm very committed to finding whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing, whatever's going to bring me happiness. And don't get me wrong, like money's like oxygen. You got to have a little bit of it, right, to, to survive in our world. Uh, so it's not something I shy away from, but I, I pursue happiness. I, I pursue truth. I think you can call that philosopher, someone who pursues truth. And it doesn't matter whose truth it is as long as it's truth, right? Mm. So it's been a, a, quite, a, quite a difference from the, the, the guy who was president of a huge organization and, uh, in New York City. Uh, and mind you, I did all that from L.A. I, I flew back and forth. And um and wearing expensive suits and expensive shoes. Those things sit in my closet. I'm in sweats right now. So. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> yeah. The sweats are more comfortable? Yeah. They're not just more comfortable. I, I don't I feel like I'm myself. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Well and it and it didn't start in LA. Where did it start? I grew up in a little town called Midlothian, Texas. It's not a disease. I know everybody's like, What? <laughs> you know, I mean when I grew up there there were more cows than people. I mean, that's, how, that's mm. how small it was, right? Mid-Lothian? Mid-Lothian. So yeah. that's to only loathe things halfway? That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah there's all kinds. I, I mean, it was, it, it was the cement capital of the world. Cement? Yeah, what did that mean? Oh, yeah, it was. Nice. It, it, it's still a claim to fame. Cement, capital of Texas. Huh. That was like a medieval uh, musical instrument or something. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> that right, it does. And they yeah. played the Mid-Lothian for in, nine hours straight. Yeah, it took me forever yeah. to learn how to spell it. But anyway, so so at the age of 17, I was a licensed Baptist minister. Wow. And so at the age of 17, I was already teaching and on radio speaking the word of God, the mm. word of God, right, which I had no idea what I was doing. But anyway, so I went to, went to Bible school out of college, and I studied Hebrew and Greek and the Bible backwards and forwards. And one day I just woke up and said, okay, well, this is not it. But it was a, the basis of what started this whole journey because I had something I believed in and I just, life took me down a pathway that allowed me to learn uh, all the different religions and all the different ways of life and kind of putting all that stuff together to, to be the person I am today. But it was a long journey. So Midlothian, Texas. Midlothian, Texas. That's right. Baptist minister. Be. Baptist. That, that's the beginning. And then I, I can still marry and bury in the state of Texas, by the way. Really? Yeah. And I don't wow. think they'd want me to do that. Because today, I would say, yep, he's dead. Let's move on. Yeah. Right? Well, what's up? Right? And then, you know, the marrying thing, I don't know. I might say, think about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I pronounce your man and wife. <laughs> you want to do this today? You really want to do that? I mean, really? Wow. How much you got? Because you're going to lose it. <laughs> speaking from experience. Yeah. That's right. I'm speaking from experience. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you said that um, during that time, when you were 17, right? During that time, that one day you sort of said, this isn't it. Yeah. Where did that come from? Oh, boy, that's a story. Okay, you want me to tell that story? Of course. So I'm in college now. I'm studying Bible. I'm at a Bible college. I am the president of the men's prayer division. I am a senator for the class. And I'm thinking, wow, this is cool. These are all these, you know, Christian people that are following God. And one night, oh, oh, so I was invited to speak as a guest pastor at a church that was in this town that was the was big, like a couple thousand people. It was on radio. It was live. It was exciting. And the night before, 
I got invited to a party. And it was a bunch of ministers. So I said, wow, this, yeah, let's go out. You know, I, I hear, was pretty naive. I hear a joke coming on. Yeah, it was no mm. joke. So I get there, <laughs> and, and I was like, floored. Because they were smoking pot, snorting coke. They were prostitutes. And I was going, um, there's something wrong. I was so disillusioned. Wow. Yeah. Like you thought you were at the wrong party. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah, because I'm going, wait a minute, wait a minute, but this is not what we signed up for. Why are we doing this? Why is this happening? I was like blown away. So the next day, I'm supposed to preach at this, at this, at this uh, church after all this happened. And I was like, it was really having a dilemma. And so I get up there and they introduce me and, I, and I'm supposed to give this sermon. I look out there and I see these people. And I look out there and I said, I'm sorry. I said, I don't know how some of you can walk into this church and think that leaving your coat in the back allows you the opportunity to do something different under this roof because it's the house of God, and then you become a heathen when you walk outside. I said, I call that a hypocrite. And rather than be a hypocrite, I'll just walk away right now and say, good riddance. And I walked away, right? I mean, everybody was like, and I went next door to a liquor store. And I bought me a tall boy. I cracked that puppy up in it and I drank it. And, I, and, I, and for the next five years, I was at a party, buddy. I changed <laughs> universities. I went to the University of North Texas and it was a party. So for five years, I went wild. I mean, it was, I mean, wow. wild. Okay. Um, so I needed that, though. I needed to experience that. Today, I mean, I understand a lot of things I didn't understand before that. But that, so that's, mm. that's where that came from. That's where I was like, no, if this is what this is all about, then I don't want any part of it. Now, yeah. I know today that my faith was in people, not the divine, and is the reason why I left. Right. So I, I learned that we have to have faith in whatever we call the divine, spirituality, God, the universe, rather than man, because man is man, and, and man will always fail us. That's just part of our human nature. And, and if we can accept that, then, then the relationship that we have with truth should not be with, with another person. You're right. Everything comes to an end. Everything comes to an end. And with that knowledge, we should already know that whether it's a relationship or, or mm. whatever, that through death or through, through it ending, it's going to end. So my relationship then needs to be with the divine, whatever I call the divine. And so that's, that's kind of where I'm at today, right? It's like, okay, you know, people are going to disappoint me, but that's part of the human condition. That's part of life. I can accept that. I can be in, in unconditional acceptance about that. But it took a long time wow. for me to get over that, what I saw, right? Sure. And, and looking back, they were college kids. What do you want them to do, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, Bob Marley said, uh, people will disappoint you, so learn who's worth suffering for. Yeah, God, that's you a know? good one. Yeah, you know, that just brought that to mind. Hmm. So that's the story. Okay. And it's wow. kind of crazy, but that's the truth. Well, then what happened? I, yeah, I know. Well, you know, it's funny is that, so I, I leave the ministry. I leave all that behind, and I change my life. Like I said, I went to a party, and there's nothing I didn't do sometimes twice in college and at the next college. It was your and, rum springer. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. It was fun. I enjoyed the, it. The Amish have that? Do you know the rum springer? The, the what? The, 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 the rum springer. Yes, they, they, they Exactly. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, they, they get to, uh, at a certain age before they marry, and decide to become you know, fully committed to the Amish way of life. They, they let them go. And many of them go and do drugs and have sex for the first time and party. And it's all looked at as, we're not even going to watch. We're going right. to turn, turn our head and you're going to go off and do your thing. 
we're going to give you some money and you have to go make it. And as soon as you can either come back, if you come back, you know, you're going to get married, you're going to, you know, grow the beard the way it's, you know, you're going to, you're going to follow all the, the Amish ways of life. But if you don't, no harm, no foul, you'll just choose to be part of the world. So it's a choice that everybody wow. has when they reach that coming of age, and it's called Rumspringa. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. It's like the complete opposite of, of a mission work, uh, like go, going on a mission. Yeah. Like yeah. missionary work. It's the opposite. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. But yeah. that, I think that's a great idea, though. I do, too. I yeah, mean, that's, that's what I went idea. through. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I got out of my system, and, you know, eventually I realized, well, if I keep doing this, I'm going to die. Yeah. And maybe I should try to do something different. But it is part of my growth and, and part of the reason why I do the work that I do today, because I've been there. You know, uh, you know, I tell people all the time, I said, you know, the only reason I quit was because I figured it wasn't good for me. Otherwise, I enjoyed the hell out of it. So I'm just going to, you know, straight up. Yep, I inhaled more than once and enjoyed it. That was the first career you quit. That it was, yeah. I don't even look at that as a career, but you're right. That wow. was before Best Buy. That was a whole wow. lifestyle. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That was like eventually waking up and going, you know, because I disappeared. What I was going to say is that after a while, no one knew because I changed friends. So no one ever knew that I was a minister. I'm, many years later, someone heard me speak, and this reporter comes up to me and says, can I, can I interview you? I said, sure, let's, let's, let's talk. So... He's drilling me. So how did you learn to be that charismatic when you speak? How did you learn to do what you did? Because you didn't just get up one day and do what I just saw you do in front of 4,000 people. You had to learn. I said, nah, I just had it. You know, I, I, I didn't want to go back that far. Mm. But I, he was drilling and drilling and drilling. And I mean, after like 30 minutes of this, I said, okay, I'm going to share something with you. But mm-hmm. I don't want you to write about it. Never tell a reporter that. Yeah. I want you to write about it. He said, what? I said, as the age of 17, I was a licensed Baptist. Aha! I knew there was some training somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it, sure enough, the heading of the, of the article said, uh, minister turns motivator. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, man. That's when I learned never tell a reporter not to do that. Yeah. And so that, you know, so yeah, um, that, so that was my first hmm. career, my first, um, my first shot at life work, life's work. Yeah. And, and he said something that's very true today. I may not be... Uh, uh, a minister in the sense of the, the the structure of religion, but I'm still ministering. I'm still doing the same job. Sure, yeah, right. It yeah. just looks different. It's evolved quite a bit. Huh? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Wow. absolutely, yeah. Wow. So, what other jobs did you quit? Well, oof, well, uh, you're such a quitter, Dan. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Right. I mean, even <laughs> even when my first book came out, uh, it's <laughs> the press release said, "If you want to learn about success, don't talk to Daniel." <laughs> <laughs> and I remember getting so angry. He said, read the rest of it. It says, but if you want to learn how to get up from being knocked down and create something out of that, then he's the right guy to talk mm. to. But that first sentence, they're like, really? I mean, you're really making me sound really, what kind of PR person are you? Um, so so there was that. And then, um, well, there's a couple other things that I did that, that people don't know about. And that was that I was in the jewelry business. I sold diamonds 
for a while. This is all my first book if people want to yeah. read it. Um, and so then I became a private jeweler for the Dallas Cowboys. That's how I got to know a lot of them during that, mm. that time. By the way, what was the name of the book? The, it's called Stepping Into Greatness, Success Stepping is Up to You. Stepping into greatness, success is up to Yeah, you. you can go to Amazon and get it. All, oh. the, all these stories I'm telling you now are there because eventually okay. I had to write it because I got tired of telling the story. Yeah. Yeah, so just read the book. Read yeah. the book. There's all cool <laughs> stuff in there I forget already, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that, that was a career. I thought, okay, I'm going to be a diamond broker. And, mm. you know, and again, I'm one of those that dives in. I don't, I don't do anything half. So I became licensed in diamond grading and, 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 you know, learned about all these stones and, you know, the, 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 all the stones in the Smithsonian in New York. I mean, I just, trivia. And then one day I got up and I said, Mm-mm, this ain't it either. And so that's just been my life where I, at least I think that, you know, when someone says that they're, they have a PhD in, in the School of Hard Knocks, I mean, that was really me. I mean, I wanted to know what, where, what. Now, all along, it was to be ministering to people the way that I'm doing today. But I, I, I refused to even think about that. Like that was the last thing that I was going to get into because I already had experienced that and, and I don't want any part of it. The end is the beginning. Yeah. And, you know, and here I am in a, in, in, a, in, a, in a wonderful space and I'm loving it and I'm going, I can accept this. I can, I can be here. So, so I did that. And then I, I, I think leaving that space, I ended up hooking up with this little teeny weeny company called Best Buy Electronics. And the funny thing about that company was is that I went to work for them part time to stay busy. So I was working with them. It put me in the car stereo department. I knew nothing about car stereos. And I'm like, well, how am I supposed to sell these, right? So I would literally, people would come in and say, what do you think about this Panasonic? I said, I don't know. Let's read the book together. And I would read the manual. <laughs> well, it says this and this. It must. And so they loved that. So all of a sudden, I was selling more radios than anyone else because I was just reading the manual. I didn't know anything about them. I said, I don't know. I even know how to turn it on. Let me see. And before you know it, in one year, I I had seven promotions all the way up to general management. So I was managing, I don't know, $16 million for him or something like that. And then I just kept on and on and on. I kept getting promoted and doing great things for them. I brokered some deals with Mexico on them. And I mean, it was really a cool deal, which wow. got me to Los Angeles. Uh, a great career. I had absolutely no reason to leave. I absolutely had stock at a dollar. And if you ever followed that stock, it split and split and split and split and split. So I was one of the good old boys with the stock. And so there's just no reason. I remember calling my mother and saying, Mom, guess what? And she got this really serious tone in her voice. She says, Mijo, please don't tell me you quit your job. <laughs> please don't tell me you did that. And I went, I quit two weeks ago. <laughs> she goes, what? She didn't talk to me for a long, long time. But she was like so proud that, you know, I had this job and I was doing so well. And, you know, wanted somebody in the family's doing something besides, you know, picking tomatoes. <laughs> and I just, I left, I left them one day because I realized again in my 30s, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. It doesn't mean that because I was good at it that I'm supposed to keep doing this if I wasn't happy. And so that was the next big job. Uh, and I remember, so so I told her, she goes, what are you going to do? So I'm going to be a motivational speaker. She says, what, blankety, blank, 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 you know, what the hell is that? <laughs> right, I didn't even know. And yeah. back then, to be honest with you, there were no um, Hispanic motivational speakers. It was just like Anthony Robbins and Zig Ziglar and all these people. So I was like, oh, I don't even have a mentor. I don't even know how to do this. So I eventually became the person that trained a lot of speakers out in the country, wow. and I became a powerful keynote speaker. Uh, I'm getting paid 
Well, I think the one of the biggest checks I ever got was from Harley Davidson. I got twenty five grand for thirty minutes worth of speaking. And I thought it was absolutely amazing. They nice. treat me like a rock star, mm. right? And so I thought, man, oh, this is this is some cool stuff. But then I got wrapped up in the whole, you know, success thing, and and it became it became everything that I lived for. And it was about what I was wearing, and it was about my cufflinks, and it was about well, I had hair back then, but you know, my hair and <laughs> it was about everything and, and it wasn't about happiness. And so that takes us to that first conversation we had where I'm sitting in that, in that posh, you know, cigar bar and going, oh man, this ain't it either. And then, and then walking away again, walking away hmm. and saying, I've got to find peace and tranquility again. And in my, in my book, the very first sentence, the first paragraph, I think in the second chapter, I say, I, I tell people at 17, I was a, a licensed Baptist minister. The one thing that I appreciate about that time is that it was the most purest, closest connection I had to the divine in my entire life. And I left that, and, and I've been seeking that the entire life to get back there. You know, and, and mm. so that kind of leads me into what I'm doing today, which has been a little bit of a struggle because you go from, from corporate that's very rigid to this world that's not structured at all mm. uh and and trying to figure out how do i not lose my momentum and and make this transition and shift and you know the most beautiful thing has happened is that i i didn't lose any credibility in corporate i didn't lose any credibility in, in the leadership world uh and i sat on boards and everything they actually today because today it's cool to be mindful it's cool to you know it's all in commercials it's in movies yeah it is. and so when you're working with a big companies like in corporate, they trust their own. And because I made this transition seven years ago, they're now calling me back and saying, hey, well, you did it, and we trust you, and we know you know what we, what we go through, so why don't you come in? So I've had Wall Street call me and ask me to talk to them about oneness. I was like, what are you, what are you calling oneness? Let's get on the same page here. And, and I've had uh, Mercedes-Benz and uh, BNY Mellon Bank say, come in and teach our people how to have more peace and tranquility. What a beautiful thing to get to a place in life where now I finally get that I'm, I'm in alignment, body, mind, and soul, and I can speak my truth. And and they're they're asking for that, right? And so beautiful. The beautiful thing is, I didn't. It seemed like I lost a lot, but I didn't, because today it's. It, it, don't get me wrong. It's not, it's not that I'm not saying it's not about the money. You need money, but it's more about the message, right. and that I get a chance to do that in New York City. I just came back in de from December where I was speaking uh, about radical mindfulness uh, at an event in New York City in Manhattan. And the city of New York uh, contacted me and said, we want to work with you. And a PR firm says, we want to represent you in New York. And I'm going, this is exactly what I wanted, but I get to speak my truth. Mm -hmm. I don't have to hide. And I don't nice. wear suits anymore, by the way. The $1,700 suits are just collecting dust in my closet. And I, I show up in a monk shirt, right? And all my <laughs> crystals on and, and, and in slacks. And they're looking at me and, and I shave my head and they're like, uh, whoa. Did we make a mistake? Did we? Yeah. <laughs> right. Who is this guy? But but they but if I don't show up authentically, then they that's what they want. They don't want me to show up in a suit because that's what I was. So anyway, that's a long story and and so I've made many shifts and and I encourage people. Gosh, goodness gracious, life's too short. If you don't like what you're doing, change it. Right. Change it and don't be scared. It'll work out, right? And I not it doesn't mean that I didn't have any bad times. It just means that I was willing 
to, 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 to find the pathway. So here I am, uh, almost 55, and um, I'm going, this is going to be all right. This is, this is I tell my, my 16-year-old son, I say, you know what? Uh, if something happens to dad um, and, and, and these crazy trips that I take, don't, don't be sad for me. I said, your dad has lived a full life. I'm good. I am so good. I made peace with death. I made peace with life. And I'm good. So I'm complete right now. Mm. And I'm good with that. And, 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 I, and, I, and I tell him that because my father was killed in a car accident when I was five. So I never knew him. But mm. I, I also want him to know that, that I'm doing what I love. And, and I feel my life is complete. I feel like I've done the things that I need to do. And now everything else is a bonus. So if I get to live into my 80s, it's all a bonus. Mm. This is all about, we're in bonus time. (laughs) Wow. You know, I'll bet bet there's a lot of people that want to say what you just said. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a very generous thing to give to your son. Yeah, yeah. Loving, very loving. How how do you um, help people get to the point where they can say that about themselves? Well, you know, there's, there's several things that I think that are important, but I think the biggest one that I have found in my life is, is unconditional acceptance. It's imperative that we recognize life for what it is, not what we think it is, and not what we wished it would be. When we get to that level of acceptance in the moment, and acceptance about the people in our lives, or the situations in our lives, or whatever may be happening in our lives, then that that's the only place that we can create change. And I talk about radical mindfulness and, and the difference between radical... Mindfulness does not require spirituality. Mindfulness is just awareness. That's why it doesn't scare corporate. It's just awareness. It's a, uh, being present and aware. Spirituality requires radical mindfulness because to be radically mindful is to be in the moment and watching your thoughts on a moment-by-moment basis, you know, kind of uh, geared toward your intentionality followed by commitment. And that takes what, what's called a practice. And you practice this and you keep doing it so that you can find unconditional acceptance in the moment because it doesn't exist yesterday. It doesn't exist tomorrow. It exists in the present moment. And if, if people can find that place in their life where they can just say, you know what, just because you do this doesn't make you bad. If you drink too much or if you snort too much or if you don't have a good love relationship or whatever people get caught up in does not make you a bad person. It makes you human. And when you accept that humanity, you're able to, to release the shackles of life, release the things that, that, that ail us as human beings. In that moment, when you can find that level of acceptance, life changes because you're not trying to manage it. You're not trying to change it. You're not trying to manipulate it. You just accept it. So we all do stupid things. So what? So what? That's the problem with our world is we're constantly judging. Constantly. And, and mostly ourselves. I, I'll tell you a quick story. I was um, high up in the, in the Andes uh, and I was with this shaman. Uh, funny thing is, I remember asking him what his name was, and I was expecting this really cool Quechua name that I couldn't pronounce. And I said, so what's your name? He says, Freddie. I said, Freddie? You can't be Freddie up here. No, no, no. We're going to change your name. That's all I saw was like Freddie the Frog. I'm like, no, you ruined it for me. Anyway, I said, all right, Freddie. So here's the deal. I saw him in this beautiful space. Like, I could see his aura. I mean, he was like a, just amazing. I, I said, Freddie, where are you? Well, where, I'm looking around, and of course, there's all this beauty. And he's just kind of gazing up and looking around. And I said, well, where are you? And he's like, you know, he doesn't speak English. So 
he's just sharing his space that he's at. And I said, Freddie, what's the secret to life? What is the secret? So I said, do you mind if I record? And he's like, what do you, what do you mean record? I said, I'm going to show you how I'm going to record a video. So if you go to my YouTube channel, you can find this video. And mm-hmm. he's speaking Spanish, but I'm interpreting. And so I put the video on and I said, what's the secret to life? And, and he's got this deep, beautiful voice. And he says, tenemos que amar a Dios primero. Tenemos que amar a nosotros mismos, segundo. Y tercero, tenemos que amar a todos. So you need to love the divine Divine, first. Then yourself. Then yourself. Then others. There is no other way. That's it. And so we skip that loving ourselves part. We sure do. Which is where that unconditional acceptance has to be practiced first. When we get there, loving others is, is easy. So I want to encourage people to go to my YouTube channel. It's Motivator Dan. Find the, find the video. Watch, watch you know, it's, I think it's called a message from Freddie or something like that. I'm crazy, <laughs> Freddie. Every time I see him in my, my mind, I just go, Freddie. He couldn't have a cool name, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think that's, that's yeah, I, I get that, you know? And, and it doesn't have to be God. It can be anything. The universe, Pachimama. Mother Earth, whatever it is, find that connection with something bigger than you, something that, that has nothing to do with our control as humans, and, and then love yourself and then love others. That's, by the way, how we get the oneness. There's all these oneness movements, and I, I really struggle with it because I see people talking about oneness, and, and, I, and I have to ask, I said, well, do you love yourself? And if the answer is no, then you can't create oneness because oneness starts with yourself. And once you find that level of acceptance to you, then you can become one with another because you have that capacity to love that person. You don't have the capacity to love anyone if you don't love yourself. sharing us uh, with us a little bit about your beautiful mother wow uh you know i want to share i want to share um what uh, my mom was amazing uh she she had a rough life i remember growing up when she was younger when we were younger like three four and five uh my mother would, would pick tomatoes all day in the hot, hot sun, all day long, and then come home, uh, make sure we got our food, and then go to a night job. Wow. Right? And then come back in the morning and cook breakfast and make sure that we got to school. And I remember um, once I was cruising uh, around the 405, and, and I'm thinking to myself, all these people talk about what their parents taught them. I said, I don't think they, my mom taught me anything. And I'm just kind of thinking this, right? And all of a sudden, I mean, just like these tears start to stream down my face and I realized, oh my gosh. I actually wrote an article for a magazine about this. All of a sudden, I realized that my mother taught me the greatest lesson, that I, that I was who I was because she taught me stick to not to quit. She yeah. taught me not to complain. She didn't say it. 
She lived it. She demonstrated it. Right. And and I got that. And so when my mother got sick a couple years ago, and and we knew that this was something that would eventually take her life. Um, but the reason for the book, Radical Mindfulness, um, is because uh, I went home. Uh, she still lived in Midlothian. Obviously, I'm here in Los Angeles. And um, I got to spend some time with her. And I always wonder... <laughs> I was always wondering, why do I do all this? You know, what, 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 the practice, the meditation, the, you know, the burning of Palo Santo, the crystals. It's like, wow, I'm really out there. And, and I guess people do wonder, why do we do this? Is it to find peace and tranquility? Well, I found another reason, and it was unexpected. And I'm going to share it with you because it's a big part of why I'm writing the book that I'm writing. So I go home, and my brothers and sisters had been at the hospital with my mom a lot. So I said, why don't you guys go home and let me sit with mom, and I'll take care of her. So what is, what is radical mindfulness, and when do you know when you're there? Well, there was this night that I, I was there with Mother, and she had all these machines on her, and, and if you've ever been in a hospital, it's cold, and they don't give you like a bed. They give you this little couch that you got to sleep on. And I remember sitting there with her and looking at her uh, and all these machines, and, and I, I couldn't sleep because I was afraid she'd die, and, and I, I just... That, that can't happen while I'm in here. So I'm watching her, and and um, and for a moment, my I, I got into this, like, poor me, my mom's dying, you know, um, what am I going to do? Um, and, then, and then there was the, you were a horrible son, you lived in California, all your kids, all the other brothers and sisters lived around her. You know, I, I started getting to that place where, self-indulgence and ego takes over and then this magical thing happened and again this is around two in the morning and i don't know if this was 10 seconds or two hours i couldn't tell you but all of a sudden i got into this place of of presence in the now which is what i call radical radical mindfulness and everything that i had practiced all my life the the ability to stay focused the ability to let go of whatever was going on in my mind I got myself so focused that, that that I don't know if it was a miracle. I don't. I just know what I saw. All of a sudden, I looked over at my mom, and she wasn't my mom anymore. She was just a spirit, and and I wasn't Daniel anymore. I was just a spirit. So we were both in front of each other, and the spirit or my mom looks at me and says. Before we came here in this lifetime, you made a contract with me. You promised me that when I needed you most, when I needed you most, you'd be here. And you're doing that now. And I want to thank you for that, for being here when I needed you most. It doesn't matter whether you were here or not here. This is what you promised me before we ever came here. And you have fulfilled your contract. You, you are free. You don't have to feel guilty. You don't have to feel sad. You're free. And I thank you. And I just remember just like, wow. Wow. Uh, and, and so, I like, like I said, I don't know if that was hours or minutes. And, and I snapped out of it. And I was like, wow, what a gift. What a gift to be able to be to be able to get myself so present that 
I could experience that. And without all this practice that I was doing, without this meditation and studying with the monks in the Himalayas and the shamans in Peru, I, I would not have been able to sit there and be that present to experience this beautiful exchange of two, two uh, human spirits. And so we decided to take her home the next day because she wanted to go home and, and she was in hospice now, so it was just a matter of time. And I remember this so clearly because it was February 14th, it was Valentine's Day, mm. and I had to go home and I had to leave her there because I had to take my son back to school. And it was the hardest thing. And, and I even had a hard time this year because I was like, wow, you know, but again, I always thought that my mother never knew what I did because I, I never told her. I didn't want her to think I was losing my mind, you know, like, oh, I'm this spiritual guru guy or whatever, <laughs> right? But the interesting thing about what happened with my mom was that in her last days, in our time together, she taught me more lessons than I ever got in the whole 54 years that we were together. And, and, and it was all compacted, but that's, those are the chapters of the book. That it's like I, I tell you the story and then I say, here's what I learned. Stand in your truth. Stand in your truth. Unconditional acceptance. You know, celebrate life. You know, and, and all these things that she and, and I mean, going back to what I was saying, what did my mom ever teach me? Everything. And so the book that I was writing called Dancing in the Chaos, I ditched it. Oh, the agent was 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 angry. I said, I'm I don't want to do that anymore. Because that's not the truth. The truth is that, that I need to talk about what my mom and I experienced together because that's what people want to hear about. You know, for, and for those people that are losing loved ones, they want to know how to connect like that. They want to we'll get present, right? So my mom was an amazing person. Thank you for asking that. Yeah. And, you know, I, uh, her legacy lives, lives through me and echoes through eternity through me. And, and that's why I was, I'm so, I was so compelled uh, to write this book. Uh, in memory of her, and also because she really taught me a huge lesson, and we know who you are, so she knew, right? Um, even when I thought that I was hiding it from her, she knew, and and she did many things in those last moments that I was with her um, that showed me that she knew uh, up until the day that she was buried. Um, it was amazing, yeah, wow. it was an amazing experience. Well, I felt compelled to read this the story i want yeah. i want to read the book now yeah, yeah well thank too. you yeah too, it'll yeah. be out it'll be out soon wow. you know, maybe in the next next six months or so it'll, it'll hit the market mm. and and um is there a title yeah it's radical mindfulness oh that's right radical yeah. mindfulness yeah. I, yeah boy i got so engaged in your story <laughs> I, know. I, forgot, I know forgot what we were talking about radical yeah. mindfulness yeah. Wow. gosh yeah it's that ability to stay in the moment i mean not not just in the moment but consistently in the moment that's the difference. It's, can you stay? You know, we do yoga, we do meditation. I was saying this the other day at, a, at an event I was speaking at in Santa Monica. I said, you know, because I was in a room full of people who practice spirituality. And I said, so if you do your yoga and you do your meditation and your crystals and all that stuff, and you get on the 405 and the first thing you do is you're flipping a finger at everybody, yeah. you don't have a practice. Yeah. It's BS. I hate to tell you, I'm just going to call it right now. It's not It's not a practice. And I said, I'm no different than you. Sometimes I get frustrated. And before I know it, I'm going, Daniel, what are you doing? But I don't crucify myself either. I just kind of go, okay, so how do I get centered? And I yeah. get centered and I move on. And I, I let that go, right? 
So yeah. rubies and diamonds, right, Satch? That's right, rubies and diamonds. Yeah, <laughs> Daniel, do you know the rubies and diamonds? Uh, I think I've heard something, but when I don't you're, know. If when you're when you're on the freeway, the brake lights in front of you are the rubies, and the oncoming traffic, those are the diamonds. So it's a nice mindfulness. <laughs> and it's a, I, I love yeah. it. Yeah. Epi- episode yeah. eleven for us. The, That's right. The, uh, unwrapping, unwrapping the present. Unwrapping the. I present. love it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. love it. Oh wow! Well, you know, um, as you were describing this this scene, you know, with your with your mom. Uh, it causes me to think of uh, when my own parents were passing away. Mm. And there is um, a certain extra mindfulness that I experienced as well. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think sometimes in our lives, when we look back at the most powerful memories in our history, there are usually times when we were more present than usual. You know, I, I can see myself saying I do to my wife. That was a very mindful moment. You know, I remember <laughs> right. when my when I was, you know, visiting my dad before he passed away in the hospital. My mom, you know, um the the colors are a little more bright. You know, mm. you when when you know that someone you care about is is about to outgrow their body, you know, and right. leave, um, you really start to cherish every second. And um, you know, why can't it be like that all the time? Because we're human. Yeah, and, and and we're bombarded with eighty thousand thoughts per day, eighty thousand thoughts per day, and distracted mm-hmm. by media and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and everything else, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think that's kind of the purpose of the book is to kind of help remind people that whatever they're stressing about, it's not worth it. Majority of the things that we stress about and, and, and worry about never come to pass. What a waste of time! Mm-hmm. So your you know experience of 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 getting yeah we we get radically present when we know we don't have any time, and all of a sudden it doesn't matter. Well, let them fire me. You know, it's like oh I don't care. I'll pay the extra money for the flight. I mean, crazy stuff comes up. Mm-hmm. But why not every day? Why not every moment live that way? You know. Because we are controlled by things that are outside of us, mm-hmm. and we have the choice to be able to change that if we want to, and have that special moment all the time, because it does exist. It exists in every single moment, that connection, that bliss, that life. That, that's, that's what I live for today now, is, is more moments like that rather than less moments like that, which means that, that, that I, I have to feel my humanness. I have to feel the essence of my humanity and be willing to, to understand that with that journey comes my emotions and my emotions are part of my journey and, and to not experience them, anger, fear, doubt, disbelief, uh, it's not, it's not human. It, it's, it's a lie. And, and to live there is to shelter ourselves and, and not be where you were with your parents. And that's present or with our loved ones, you know, mm-hmm. Daniel, um, how do you apply what you're talking about to uh, sudden and unexpected terrible traumas? Like, mm. you know, you mentioned your dad was in a car accident. Mm-hmm. Um, you were very, very young. Um, but even as an adult, I, I know um, many of us have had and suffered a, a terrible loss in a, in a sudden and unexpected way, or maybe even multiple times, you know, people who are suffering from uh, tragedies like what's happened with the school school shooting recently, mm-hmm. um, you know, terrible, terrible thing. Um, you know, multiple wars going on all over the place. Um, so, what are your what are your thoughts and feelings and experiences around that? The definition of true compassion is being able to be with someone 
and not take on their pain. That is the true definition of compassion, of compassion. And so when things happen in our world, and they do, it is inherent in us to, to do something that we probably don't think about. When I take on the pain, then I become part of the problem because I'm getting caught up in whatever emotion is there, which is why people continue to do things that they shouldn't do. So what do I do? I send them love. What do they want most? They want love. They may not know they want love, but they, they need love. They need more love. And if I can stay focused and present and send them love. I, my, my mother passed away last year in February. In May of the same year, a friend of mine committed suicide. She hung herself. And, and I was devastated again. And I thought hard about that. What do I do now? I can get caught up in my misery, get caught up in, you know, I should have answered the text. I wish I had known. For whatever reason, people do what they do and it's got nothing to do with me. But the emotions are still there. And so I did what I'm talking about now. I sent them love. There, there's a, there's a, a Buddhist uh, technique called Tonglen. And Tonglen is, is breathing in the request for healing and breathing out love. Or breathing in the, the pain of hunger and breathing out love. And I think that, that as, as human beings, part of creating oneness with each other is getting back to love. And it, gosh, I mean, yeah, that's a hard thing. That, I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form that that's going to be easy because there's all these human emotions. There's anger. But that's a process. In the end, we do find out how many stories have you heard where people have forgiven the, their, their killer or the rapist or whatever? They've, they've forgiven them. doesn't mean that you condone the behavior, mm-hmm. but, but to not forgive and, and not be in the moment, not send love, is to drink the poison yourself. Which brings to mind another thing I wanted to talk about. You, uh, I think it's almost perhaps the elephant in the room sometimes when, when you, many people, I've had this discussion over and over again about... Um, well, we can't change anything, mm. right? And what comes the baggage that comes along with statements like um, we have to accept things as they are, right? There are different ways a person can accept something, but certainly uh, for people who are unsettled, that might not sound very satisfying to them. They sure. hear accept. You want me to accept that there are these horrible, violent, terrible things going on, and there's you know you know guns everywhere and 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 horrible violence and. You know, I'm supposed to just accept that as it is and, and sort of say, I can't do anything. I should just give up. You do you see, do you see like there's this flip side to it. So I wanted to bring that up to you because I would love your um, perspective. I want to get a little deeper into that because there's always that, you know, where's the balance point? So when we say um, total acceptance, unconditional acceptance, where's the, the, the other side of that where... Obviously, you make choices. Obviously, you decide to do things. You follow uh, an inclination that says, go to Peru, go to Tibet, mm-hmm. or, or go, go to Nepal, or go to these places, and do something. And at the other side of it is you're saying, don't do something. So let's get into that a little bit. Yeah, I, I think that the, the quandary uh, with the human mind is to overthink things. Yeah. There's a difference between intellectual, the, being in an intellectual space and being in a heart space. Uh, our world was developed around intellect. 
But the truth is, is that the power of, of the human being is in their heart. And so a person who gets stuck in their mind uh, is going to say things like, well, am I supposed to accept this? Because they're angry. If they diffuse that anger, they'll find love. But until we do, then we'll continue to manifest the things that we fear. So fear plays a big part in that. Uh, and, and so it's not that it's invalid. It's, it, it's that it's not going to help. Listening to the Authenticity Show with your hosts Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Up next, Carlos and Satch continue their conversation with Daniel Gutierrez. Daniel gets into some sacred journeys he's taken using plant medicines with shamans in Peru and the Amazon, and he talks about his role as a facilitator for other people to take their own sacred journeys. So keep an open mind, and here we go. Speaking of radical things, uh, radical shifts in consciousness and radical connection, radical mindfulness, <laughs> you've had some pretty radical experiences um, with plant medicines, haven't you? Yeah. Well, can we I talk mean, about that. Yeah, we, we sure we can because you know, I, my in my book is the first time I talk about it. You know, I, I like any other Westerner uh, was like, uh, uh-uh, I'm not doing any drugs. I'm not, uh-uh, don't even talk to me about that stuff. I don't want to be seeing Jesus or anyone else. I'm good. Uh, and But the plant, Wachuma, uh, San Pedro, which is a cactus that grows in the desert in Peru, kept inching its way to call me. And, 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 you know, I had a lot of questions that weren't being answered. You know, how do I know what I know? How am I able to read people? How am I able to see things that I would never talk to my family about. Uh, and, and, and I was, listen, here's a secret. I was successful in business because I was reading the room all the time. And I always knew what to say. Not because I knew it, but because it was downloaded. Now, that sounds pretty far-fetched. And I'm sure if there's any corporate people going, oh, this guy's, now, now we've got a lunatic on the, on the radio. But I knew these things. And I knew them since I was eight year, five years old. But I surely didn't talk about them. But I would do things and I would be around people and I could I could sense their heart. So I read people's hearts. I get it right away. Mm-hmm. And so you might be saying this, but I get what's going on underneath. But I had no idea how that happened. Uh, and so it was always a question like, so one day I was in the mountains in the Andes and they said, do you want to do plant medicine? Of course, my little Western self said, well, I don't do drugs. They said, well, it's not drugs. It's plant medicine. I said, you call it whatever you want. If it's altering my mind, it's drugs. Well, I don't know what happened, but I I gave in. And I said, well, I'm in Peru, right? So what happens in Peru stays in Peru. (laughs) (laughs) You won't get arrested in California. I won't get arrested. I'm not driving. And I'm in the mountains. And I can just lay down if I have to and just sleep it off. (laughs) So I said, sure, I'll do it. And it changed my life. It changed my life in such a big way because... The question that I had was, how do I know what I know? And what happened was, is that that I was sitting in front of the Pachatusan Mountains uh, in the Andes, and and the condor appeared to me, 
which is the the spirit animal for Peru, the the, the bird, um, and said, "I'm going to show you where you how you know what you know. Are you ready?" Right, and I'm looking around, going, "Is this happening?" I mean, I'm really still. I mean, because you're you're still aware. You're just on Huachuma or San Pedro. The veil between us and all living things is removed, so you get to see things that are alive, like the mountains and the trees and the birds and everything. Actually, it's done during the day. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I'm looking at the Pachatusan Mountains, and all of a sudden, I, I, I see like literally tribes of people going across the mountain range and you know like with torches and they're walking and there's different different groups and the condor says to me you were their medicine man Hmm. you were you were the person this is why you know what you know you brought that into this lifetime because i thought my parents didn't take me that you know it was something in me and so i was moved because it made sense to me that i didn't come in I, I didn't learn that here it was something already in me and and to see that just changed my life and 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 it changed my life in a way that allowed me again getting back to to, to unconditional acceptance mm-hmm. it, accepting that that was a part of my history as a light being or a spirit in other lifetimes and of course it would make sense that these things that that i know and i do would be part of something that wasn't part of this lifetime, but I brought into it. So plant medicine played a big part in opening my eyes and my heart even wider and saying, life is beautiful, you know? And so why do we call it drugs in the U.S.? Because that's how they manage us. That's mm-hmm. how they manage. I mean, I remember when MDMA which is now called Molly, which was called Ecstasy when I when I first right. when, when when it first came into the market when I was in, in the eighties. I remember Grace Jones. You remember Grace Jones? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. She had a she had a club in Dallas, and and when it MDMA first came out, they had a club in Dallas that served no alcohol. They sold MDMA at the bar, and it had a, a light room and it had a cold room and it was amazing, right? But when they realized that a bunch of people were taking it, they outlawed it. And said it's not good for you, which they still been able to prove that it was bad. Right. But they outlawed it. So we in our really? heads we get this idea that it's bad. Well, I've done many journeys on both Wachuma and Ayahuasca, um, and you know what? I'm still here. I'm still sane, and I'm a lot wiser. And it's not for everybody, and that's okay. Uh, but for those that that feel like that's their journey. Um, I've seen people heal from alcoholism. I've seen them heal from all kinds of stuff because it really gets to the center of what's going on in your life. And it opens your heart and says, you know what, let's find the truth. And, and, and it will show you where you're stuck and you have a choice to stay stuck or not stay stuck. And so today, um, I'm a big believer in it because I've seen what it's done for other people. Mm-hmm. And I know what it's done for me. I mean, being an artist and a you know, kind of out there kind of person to sometimes, I mean, I can suffer from highs and lows and depression. It's just part of life. I've, I've, I've been that way all my life and I've just learned to manage it. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? I don't manage it anymore. I don't have it. You know, and studies at UCLA about how uh, ayahuasca is great for depression and anxiety and PTSD and yeah. all these things, even though the, you, you, the government wants to say it's bad, it's, it's helping 
Yeah. And it's not just ayahuasca. It's LSD. It's mescaline. It's psilocybin, psilocin, ibogaine. Right. uh, And so many, and DMT. And and they've literally, you know, opened up the exploration, um, you know, many different countries, including this one. They're starting to, you know, after 40 years, they're, you know, doing research again. Um, But it's, it's all of the psychedelics, uh, so-called psychedelics um, and plant medicines of, of that type that, that alter awareness and, you know, form new connections in the brain. And they're, they're discovering, I mean, it's, it's a renaissance right now. It's, they're discovering all sorts of stuff. The MAPS, uh, which is the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, is worldwide. And they have a whole bunch of um, studies that they host and, and many of the studies get published through there. I, I, I always recommend people to check out maps.org mm-hmm. because um, there's so much information, good information, reliable information by researchers who are not trying to, uh, they don't have an agenda other than to explore and, and find out. And so um, there's so much bad information out there. I always feel like it's my duty to help bolster you know, the investigation with some legitimate uh, Well, most of the bad information is coming from people that never experienced it. Almost always. Right? You yeah. know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten a phone call from someone that's going to Peru with me and says, so-and-so said this. Well, the last yeah. one was, because I just got back from the Amazon, and one of the gals called me up and says, they told me I was going to get abducted. <laughs> By what? <laughs> An anaconda? <laughs> no, that they take people like me and, and sell them. And they sell you. And who are they selling you to? Well, I don't know. That, that's what they do for ransom. I said, you got any money? She goes, no. I said, you got nothing to worry about. <laughs> right? She goes, well, I heard that you have these bad trips, and you run through the, the jungle naked. And I said, let me ask you something. Would you do me a favor? She goes, yeah. I said, go back to that person and ask them if they've ever experienced ayahuasca or if they've ever even been out of their bathroom. And she goes, she goes back, and she goes, I said, what did they say? No. I said, then tell them to shut up. <laughs> next <laughs> yeah well, they, they don't know they don't know it's kind of like, go let's go back to it. the the therapists who marriage therapists who've never been married right i'm not saying they can't do the job but you don't have any experience right so um if you have experience and um i mean i did have an experience where a woman said to me i can't have anything to do with plant medicine it, it screwed up my son and now he's schizophrenic i said oh I said, did you happen to ask him if maybe he didn't tell the shaman that he might have been smoking pot or taking something else that he's not supposed to be taking? And she just looked at me. I said, there's a lot of reasons why things happen. Yes, there are. And so we need to investigate that. You know, Now, as a parent, I can get that you don't want to know. So you'd rather make a judgment about something you don't know. And it's okay. easier. Yeah, when, it's you're, when you're afraid, it's easier to just sort of... It's know, not for everybody yet. Make a judgment. Why is the world waking up to all plant medicine, not just psychedelics? Because for whatever reason, people are realizing that whatever they're taking is not helping. Right. And, and they, want, they want relief. Now, I, I do tell people, I said, look, if, you're, if, you're, if, if you want to get high, uh, man, go snort something that feels better. Because this stuff is not... Yeah, it's a challenge, <laughs> isn't it? It, it, it is not going to take you there. And all you're going to do is go, wow, I wish I hadn't done that. Because, you, you know, in some cases, you're purging uh, all night and uh, that's not what i call a high <laughs> right well and there, there's a sacred context around it right, right. There, there's a there's a, a frame that goes along with um these ceremonies it's yes. not just 
well, we're we're taking a potion, but there there's prayer, there's purification, oh, all there's, night. Uh, assistance by the shaman yes right? i right. mean song and 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 prayer i mean all night this is this is and a process tell it tell us why that part's important for the overall context of the experience well because well what i do and i'm glad you said that word experience because there's, there's a difference between having an experience on on plant medicine and get having a treatment mm-hmm. on on plant medicine uh, the work that I do in the Amazon is five days to six days of ayahuasca every night, every night. And and the reason why that happens is because the maestro uh, starts small and he wants you to learn the plant and the plant to learn you so that you understand her, that you understand the master. And so little, little more and more and more. And at the end, they give you a full dose. Most people go into someone and they do a full glass and that's why they freak out because they don't know how to handle it. They don't mm-hmm. know the plant at all. The plant doesn't know them. When you do plant medicine, because it does take you to the edge, it's also not only going to show you what's good in you, it's going to show you the dark places in you. Oh yeah. And when you don't have the capacity to, to understand that, that you have to dance with it, not let it control you. You don't control it. You dance with it. So, you get to the edge where you see that, you know, it can get negative real quick. If you're not aware of what you're doing, you're going to slip into that. And that's when people have these bad experiences. So you, so every night, there's an opening prayer. There's a closing prayer. There's singing. There's chanting. I mean, the the shaman is working with each individual and working with the group all at the same time. That's a true experience. That's a true healing so so his job as he says is to heal people from whatever it is that they have inside them that needs to be healed emotionally financially relational everything right so you come out of that healed now again if you're looking to get high that is some ugly stuff for five days i'm telling you yeah i mean we woke up every morning going caught up glad that's over you know and then we'd laugh all day and then we're like you know wait for 10 o'clock like oh 10 o'clock is coming you know but it's a beautiful thing altogether. All so I think that when you choose someone that knows what they're doing, um, then you'll have the experience that you went there to find. And nobody goes to do plant medicine that isn't called. They're just not. Mm-hmm. You're called in one way or another because you don't wake up. I didn't wake up when I said, I'm going to do some plant medicine. I didn't even know what it was. Mm-hmm. Right? And then one day, I, you know, plants are talking to me. I'm like, whoa. well you know speaking of abuse of of drugs or whatever uh it it seems like the whole class of drugs that are called hallucinogens or psychedelics they have um a significantly less uh potential for abuse because of some of the things you're talking about first of all they can be scary if you're not if well especially if you're just trying to get high right because they um, overdose on it. Well, that too and, much. And, and and just trying to get high. That whole idea that right. what's the concept of just trying to get high is escapism. It's right. Uh, you're running away from right. pain, and you can't really run away from much very long when you're on a on a hallucinogen or a psychedelic uh, substance because it just opens things up, and so you tend to whatever's floating around in your unconscious mind is gonna is gonna float right up to the surface in an instant. And if you're not ready to deal with it, then you know too bad. Um, so I'm not saying it can't Bad be trip. abused. That's, That's the right. thing is, you know, so there, there, there are occasionally people who do abuse hallucinogens, uh, I would say, but there's less potential for abuse, right? Less because the, the type of thing it is, it's not, 
uh, dopamine uh, inducing experience like cocaine or, nope. or you know an opiate it's it's a hallucinogen it's different it's a psychedelic right. it, it's 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 a whole different kind of experience and I think um, probably some of the listeners um, of the show have experimented uh, with um, mind-altering substances well most people have but of the sort that we're talking about uh, the psychedelic class of, of, of substances and probably a lot of people who are hearing this have no clue wouldn't even have any inclination to try it but that's why I wanted to talk about this right because there's a whole nother way to go about the experience of it and you're talking about healing you're talking about a deeper exploration um, finding the truth inside yes well, that's and, what it's and, all about it is exactly that carlos it's finding the truth the other thing that, that i found amazing about um plant medicine and the last time well i just got back in december but another another time that i was in the jungle um i i don't i i can't quantify this anyway but i can tell you that i know it and that is that um there was something in me healed that I didn't know I had. I could just feel it in my body. Like something in my body is not there anymore. And it wasn't good for me, but I didn't know it was there. But in doing the plant medicine for five days and doing the rituals and doing the things that we had to do while we were in the jungle, something was reset in my body. And and when I got home, I could feel it. Like, like there was something there. I'll never know what it was. Um, and maybe it was just the release of... of the the idea and the acceptance that that I don't have to have what my mom and her and my aunts did, you know. But whatever it was, I felt it, right? And 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 that's what we want. We want security in our lives. We want our ability to say, did that work? I, I've I've often said that if something, uh, for any chance I was to contract something, I said take me to Peru and leave me there. Yeah, I'll work it out. Wachuma, the, you know, uh, the Latin name is uh, Trichosaurus pacanoi. Uh, that's the go. scientific name for it's it. The dinosaur. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but that's a very bitter substance. When you yeah. cook it, it's just incredibly bitter. Yeah, it's nasty. That's yeah. why. That's why I always wondered about young people that go there to like, oh, I'm gonna do wachuma. I'm going wait till you taste it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty nasty. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, how, how much uh, do they drink? Do they drink sort of like is it is it a couple of, of ounces of, of the wachuma when they when they boil it down and they make the potion? Is it a couple of ounces, like a couple of shot glasses, or no? Uh, how much is it? Uh, eight eight ounces to sixteen ounces. Okay, wow. Yeah, and that's what you drink. Wow. Yeah, I mean, literally the first time, if you ever do it, you're cool because you don't know what to expect. You're like, I got this, but I mean, even now I'm going, oh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> because, because because you have that taste in your mouth, and and they give you a little candy to help a little bit, but it's just it is so hard. Yeah, I'm getting chills. <laughs> no thanks. I think um, the last time I did that, um, it was a couple of shot glasses. I think. Uh, oh, you did but a it was bit. it was very well. <laughs> but this was this was yeah. evaporated and very concentrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get it. Um, it's not always so, how big the glass is. It's about no. What it was it was that's why it was so incredibly right. bitter is because you know it, it was cooked for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours mm-hmm. until it it was down to a pretty small amount. But um, it was still really hard to get down. 
maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not remembering. It might have been a little more than a couple of shot yeah. glasses. Maybe it was like a a cup. Yeah, that's probably, probably better. About a cup. It was Four probably about cup. a Four about a cup, cup is yeah. what it was. Yeah, if I remember correctly. But still, <laughs> it was it was a lot. So I can imagine drinking essentially two full water glasses filled with it. That's just wow. That'd be tough, and no wonder you'd be purging. Well, not everybody purges. Um, not even uh, no. I, I I don't in always, the southerly direction. <laughs> no, oh no. Uh, I mean, there have been many times when my experience was just very beautiful. Wow. Okay. And and the body had didn't have an end. There were times when I thought it. You know, yeah. I mean, both ways. Mm. It was just like, but that's what the north body and needed. south. Yeah, that's what the body needed. <laughs> you know, and uh, that's not fun. That's again. I mean, really, you want to go take this to have fun? Well. This is part of the purging process for the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and if your body needs to release, it's going to release. And it's a g- great thing. And it doesn't feel that way when you're in the middle of it. But then there's this euphoria of, of clarity that you get from the answers to the questions that you posed. Even if you don't remember them in the moment, you will remember them. The beautiful thing about doing plant medicine is it stays with you. It's out of your system, but yeah, it stays with you. I have found that everything that I've learned using plant medicine has stuck. Every important thing. Obviously, you, you forget small details, but the important parts of it you stay with you. And it's not like you're in a state of mind that's anything other than lucid. Right. It's very lucid. So it's, it's not what people think of as being a drugged out state of mind where you're not paying attention to things. You're not, no, you're, you're paying more attention. Right. You've got more parts of your yeah, you brain lose your, active. Yeah, ability to be normal. You're... you're I, I can think of so many examples of being more perceptive. My auditory sense, my sense of smell, mm-hmm. my sense of my tactile sense of touch, my balance, my ability to climb trees and rocks and boulders, uh, my ability to do martial arts, my um, you know, my ability to be still, because I was exploring what my nervous system was capable of whilst under those. Uh, substances and I didn't find any diminishment at all. Uh, it's a shame that we can't just tap into that all the time. That much flexibility, that much right. stamina, that much long sight and ability to focus the eyes. You know, especially lately, my eyes have gotten gotten a bit blurry. Um, but I was thought that that was interesting that it can enhance your physical abilities in some right. cases. It made me wonder whether there's some truth to the idea that things like you know psychedelic mushrooms were um, a hunter's tool, you know, because here they have this ritual to call upon the, you know, get the spirit of the buffalo or whatever, but then, you know, your ability to recognize patterns in footprints and noticing differences in shade and color and texture in in the grass and and knowing where the animals are, Uh, your ability to have um, long vision, your ability to sense changes in the environment go up. So why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't it enhance your experience of uh, hunting and gathering? So I just I, I see that perspective as a sharp contrast um, between that and this idea that you know all drugs are bad and right. all drugs are going to you know make you stupid. They're going to make you dull. They're going to you know wipe your memory. They're going to cause you to do horrible, terrible things. It's almost reefer madness. You know, remember right. that, that film? Right, right. Yeah, you it's smoke the pot and you're going to strangle your mom. Right, Yeah. totally. Yeah, I mean, all the dispensary owners it's a give-in. all have dead moms. Yeah, it's a given. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. that's going to happen. <laughs>
Anyway. <laughs> if someone were to wish to explore this, I mean, from a legitimate curiosity, they, they never had the experience of um, the plant medicines and you know, they're not just looking to get high. They, they want to actually um, just experience it, though. How would they go about connecting to someone that they could trust? How would, they, would it be through you? How would they find? Sure. Well, they can, they, even if they don't go through me, I'm very open to talk to people. Um, um, most people do decide, okay, well, I can trust him, and, and, and better to know somebody than know nobody, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a purist in the sense that I don't do plant medicine outside of the countries where the origin of the plant is growing. Mm-hmm. That's just my choice. Uh, because there's a lot to be said about doing plant medicine in the energies around the people that have had many, many, many... Um, years and lifetimes of dealing with this particular kind of medicine but yeah they they can get a hold of me and i'm happy to uh, i have people call me and say daniel what do you think about this or what do you think about that and i always just shoot them straight you know um when you're doing plant medicine uh you need to know who's taking you there you need to know who the 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 shaman is or the maestro and the reason for that is because there's many components to doing plant medicine, not just yours. The intentionality that that shaman or maestro puts into that medicine is extremely important. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing plant medicine with someone that's just wanting to make a quick buck, then you're putting yourself in harm's way. There are 27 different kinds of ayahuasca. Only two of them are safe. 27. Only two of them are safe. Your people need to know what they're doing, mm-hmm. right? So... um I'm always happy to answer questions, and you know, as you know, I, I lead groups to the Amazon and to the Andes many times a year, and I take people with me. And you know, some people do plant medicine, some don't. Some don't do, you know, and that's okay too. I always have plenty of stuff for us to do, and I and I don't even really talk about it to be honest with you. I just when I get there, I say, hey, here's an opportunity. If you want to do this, you can go here. And I usually know because there's a diet that goes with it. And I tell them, hey, this is what I need you to do. Not to eat that, not to eat this, because it could be bad for your stomach and, and it, you know, whatever. But yeah, I mean, they can, they can get a hold of me. Um, if you don't, please know what you're taking. Please know what's in the ingredients. Please know that this person is not a certified online shaman that just calls themselves a shaman. And I'm mm-hmm. not putting them down, but, you know... I had this conversation with someone in New York recently, and I said, you know what's funny about about the spiritual world and about mindfulness? If you have to go to school and get a certification that's intellectually based, you've totally missed the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this is a heart-based understanding. It is a generational understanding. It is a, it is a, and you don't have to even be a part of some tribe. You have to have the capacity to download the information. So the answer to your question is that, yeah, they can, they can call me or, or they can, they can uh, research it on their own. Just, just make sure you trust who you're dealing with mm. explicitly. Again, this is not cocaine or speed or anything like that. This is, this is something that, that you need to know so that if something does go wrong, 
uh, and, it, I, and I've never had that happen, by the way, uh, that the person that you're doing medicine with understands how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us about your teacher, uh, uh, Freddie. Well, Freddie's just one of them. I have several people I okay. work with. My main person in Peru for Wachuma is Leslie Myberg, oh. and she is a, a funny thing. The first time I met her, I thought, you're a shaman? Blonde-haired, blue-eyed, South African woman who came to Peru many, many years ago and never left. She stayed there, and she became a Wachumera. I studied with, um, I think it's Raul, the number one base shaman of of Wachuma in Peru. Uh, And I go to her explicitly. Uh, Freddy's another uh, shaman that I use when I'm in a different part of the Sacred Valley. So Freddy's going to be closer to um, Olentantambo and uh, Urabamba. And Leslie is in outside of Cusco in a place called Tambio. Leslie is my go-to person because she's done this for a long time and she's just all love. It's all love with that woman. You can feel it. You can sense it. Um, you get that you're safe. Uh, and she has created a garden uh, there in Cusco uh, at her home that is bar none. Some of the most, it's, it's like you're in a fairy tale. Wow. Uh, and it's, it's it's hummingbirds and all kinds of stuff going on. And big ones. The, the the hummingbirds in Peru are like huge. They they can pick you up, um, you know. And so there's different people that I call upon, uh, depending on the group I have and the per- the person. Sometimes just a couple of us, and I'll say, hey, let's go up to Quinsecocha, which is about thirteen fourteen thousand feet. It's a lake, and and we'll go up there and do medicine. And then we're running around the lake, you know, just kind of mm-hmm. you know doing some Indiana Jones stuff. But it just depends on 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 uh, um, what the objective is. But ninety percent of the time, I'm with Leslie because we get to stay at her house and we don't have to leave and I have to get people back to the hotel and they make us a little food out there and we just we're cool. We're, everything's cool out there. Wow, it's a great experience. And and there was a there was a shaman you mentioned who is a naturopathic doctor that owns some lands. That's, is that that's Marlon? Is that He's Marlin? in the jungle. Okay. Yeah, he, he's in Santa Maria. Uh, and uh, Santa Maria is about an hour and a half boat ride from Iquitos uh, up the Amazon. So once we get to his place, depending on if there's water or not, we're an hour to two and a half hours to camp where we stay, where he has what he calls his little spiritual center, which is not what we're thinking in your head. It's just the four walls. <laughs> a hut. But, yeah, but it's his spiritual center, so we'll call it that. <laughs> and he, I'll tell you a quick story about him. He is amazing. And anyone I've ever taken to him, I mean, he's like five foot, four foot eight. I mean, he's a short guy. Uh, but don't mistake his shortness for not knowing what he does because he can, he can kick your butt in a heartbeat in terms of the medicine. Uh, and so um, to give you a little bit of history behind Marlon, Marlon, uh, he says he, he doesn't like to tell the story because it makes him sad, but he does tell it because uh, they ask him, you know, how did you learn to do what you're doing. How did you know you were a shaman? How did you know you were a maestro? And he starts out, again, he doesn't speak English, so I'm interpreting. And he starts out by saying, well, when I was seven, my grandfather took me into the Amazon, into the jungle. And he said, I'll be right back. And he did, 10 years later. Because they knew that, that I was chosen to be in this profession, they figured that I needed to stay out there and learn the plants or die. They knew I wouldn't die, but I didn't know that. At seven. At seven years of age, left in the middle of the jungle. 
He says, about three or four years into my stay out there, two big jaguars appeared. And I thought they were going to eat me. I thought, this is it. I'm going to die here. And um, they didn't. They actually became my friends. And every night, they would come and sit with me until morning, and then they would leave. Wow. Every night, they would come back. And so they protected me that whole time. When my grandfather came back, he thought they, that they were going to hurt me, and he almost killed them. And I told him, don't kill them. They've been my gardens. So here's a guy who is amaz- has an amazing story. He's a naturopathic doctor by all, all the means and understanding of the Amazon and all the, because the Amazon has so many things we don't know nothing about mm-hmm. as, as, as a, as a uh, society. And I mean, he's amazing. I mean, if you cut yourself or something bites you, I mean, in the middle of the night, he goes in the jungle, comes back with something for you to put on it in the morning. I mean, it's amazing uh, what he does and, and his dedication to healing people is amazing. Because he has one goal and one goal only. He comes from so much love. Both of them do, uh, him and Leslie both. And so did Freddie. Uh, That's why I like going there because you know that they're not, it's not about the money. It's about the healing. The Mm -hmm. money's secondary. If they really wanted to make money, they could charge tons and tons and tons and tons of money. But they don't. And as a matter of fact, they don't even like to to hear about it. So uh, how, how do people find you? Well, you can go to my website, uh, danielgutierrez.com. That's D-A-N-I-E-L-G-U-T-I-E-R-R-E-Z.com. And uh, right now, I'm in the process of changing over to a new website. Um, So you may not find this year's information on my old website, but you can. there's a contact thing. You can say contact and ask you if you want to go on a trip. Fill it out. Send it to me, and I'll contact you. And, um, And we can talk about it. I mean... Uh, I, I think everyone should experience... Well, Machu Picchu uh, is one of the seven wonders of the world, so everybody wants to go there, right? But there's so much more magic in Peru besides Machu Picchu. Uh, and I encourage people to explore uh, the land there, and that's kind of what I do on that trip. And we go, we're going there to see Machu Picchu, uh, but we're also there to experience um, visiting maybe a, a tribe of Quechua uh, indigenous folks and seeing how they live. Because mm-hmm. when you see how they live and how we live, uh, and, 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 and for m- most of those people, they're a lot happier than we are, hmm. period. You know, because they don't have any, uh, they, I mean, what bills? There's no electricity, you know? Mm. Or you go milk the cow, you go work the oxen, you go work the llamas, and there's no stress. Hmm. And we think that they need us, but we need them. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. I remember reading a long time ago that they did uh, satellite uh, and resonance imaging, and they figured out that what we see, the sacred sites and archaeological sites, uh, is something like one-eighth of what is actually there. Oh, but yeah. The rest of it's buried you know, underneath the jungle and yeah. things like that. So, so it, it, it's intriguing and fascinating to think about what they may discover in coming years, you know. Well, there's um uh, this last time that I was there, I was taken to an archaeological site that they just uncovered. Like it, they hadn't opened it to the public yet. Wow. I was with an archaeologist, and he says, "Let me go take you to show you something." Uh, and what I learned in that trip that I didn't know is that um, these uh, ruins are covered not because of time, but because the Incas actually covered them so that the Spaniards couldn't find them. So it wasn't that stuff mm. grew over it. That's how they hid it. They buried, they buried their own cities. 
Wow. So that they wouldn't be found. And we're just now finding them. We're wow. just we're just yeah, it's amazing. Wow. Uh the the process when you think about that. So Carlos, you're absolutely right. The things that 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 are still left to be uncovered are still there. They're still I mean, even up, up as far up as Lake Titicaca, you know, where a lot of, of um ruins are underwater. You know, I mean mm-hmm. so much that's there. So much to do. It's just not just Machu Picchu. I'll be going there in June for 17 days. So That's awesome. I, I'm looking forward to talking with you about yeah. that trip. Yeah, um, I'll be there. Because... When, well, I'll probably be there when you're there at some oh, point. Wow. Yeah, because yeah, I'm in, I don't know what my dates are for June off the top of my head, but I am there for at least a couple of weeks. Nice. So, Daniel, I was on your Facebook page and I noticed this uh, advertisement you did, like a video for the, for the tours you lead. And I thought it was so cool. Let's go ahead and give it a listen. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to take a vacation with a purpose? To really take time and find out who you are and where your life is heading? Join us this year on an adventure to mystical Peru and take in one of the seven wonders of the world, Machu Picchu. During our seven-day, six-night journey, we will travel through Pizac, the sacred valley, and the ancient Inca city of Olaintantambo. You will get to experience firsthand the radiant culture and participate in the sacred ceremonies of the Incas. You will leave Peru different than when you arrived. With a deeper sense of connection to your heart, a sense of clarity about your life, and a cleansing of your spirit that will allow you to soar high like the Andinian condor. For more information, click on the link below, and we look forward to being with you in Peru. Nice, yeah. isn't that? That's very exciting. Yeah, it's too bad that the <laughs> listeners don't have have an actual picture of it, but they, they can go to my website. They can go to your website yeah, and yeah. get it, and on your YouTube channel too, right? Yep, you can go to YouTube and you'll see the video there. Um, I was trying to convey the magic of Peru. Oh and, yeah, and those are all images that I took. I mean, they were just. Uh, and you sound so happy when you're presenting. You're <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. come to Peru. I just felt yeah. like I felt like giving you a hug. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good. It worked. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the whole point. It's like you know, there's this magical place that you can come and 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 everybody says the same thing. I've been doing this for a long time. I've taken hundreds of people there, and it's they're always in awe. Because there's no video, there's no reading, there's nothing that can prepare you for the magic of Peru. And when you get into those Andes, it changes you. Mm-hmm. It changes you. And, and you come back a different person, uh, which is what I say on the video, is you, know, it, you do come back different. Uh, it's impossible for you not to. Now, I have had a couple people that are just as stubborn when they got there and when they left. But after a, a few months, uh, even a year, they've called me back and said, I got it. I got it. It took me a while, but I got it. Mm, so, wow. so it does. It does change people. Even the most hardened individuals that are mm. not willing to take a look at themselves eventually come around to it. It's time released medicine. Yeah, time released. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> cool. Um, so this has been a great conversation. Oh, man, I've, I've really enjoyed it. this. This has been thank dynamite. you. It's yeah. been wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for being here with us and I'm sharing. It. Really cool. Uh, and we're looking forward to uh, checking out your book. Yeah, in a few months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, congratulations. Radical exciting. mindfulness. Yeah. Be, be looking, looking out for that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, gosh, yeah, thanks again. And Satch, thank you too. Oh, gosh, thanks, Carlos. This was a joyous evening. Yeah, really. Lots of fun. All right.
You've been listening to The Authenticity Show with your hosts, Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. A very special thanks to our guest, Daniel Gutierrez. If you'd like to learn more about Daniel, you can check out his website, www.danielgutierrez.com. His new book, which will be out soon, is called Radical Mindfulness. The show is produced by Oliver Altine. Our theme music is composed by Oliver Altine. That's me. Make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And check out our website, AuthenticityShow.com. Remember to like us on Facebook and find us on YouTube. Thanks for listening and have an authentic day. Thank you.